This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you fancy grabbing yourself any gear from Luke, don't forget to use the code MAX20, which gets you 20% off almost anything over there at Luke. They've just brought out some really nice new clothing, so go and check that out. Really, really worth it. And don't forget to use that code MAX20 for a 20% discount. do we even start where do we start after last night uh we're recording this 24 hours um after the game uh, wednesday night i've still got that buzz i've still got that incredible incredible buzz what an incredible night uh, at leicester city last night unbelievable i'm your host max stokes joined as ever by simon Lyons. simon how are you mate all good yeah i'm still buzzing still absolutely buzzing about last night it was uh yeah, it was a special, special night, wasn't it? It was indeed. Um, a midweek podcast. Haven't haven't really done any of these. You messaged me earlier saying, "Should we do a podcast?" Of course, we got to do a podcast after last night. We've got to come on and talk yeah. about it. Absolutely outrageous. Why not come on and talk about it as a little bonus um, episode? Why not? If you haven't already checked out the Villa on Tour video from last night at Leicester, what are you doing? Go and watch that. Genuinely, one of the most crazy ones I've ever produced. Got a lot of love on that already. So thank you so much for that. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already as well. What Whatever podcast app you are listening to this on right now please do subscribe so you never miss an episode normally the podcast come out um, bright and early on a monday morning but of course because this is a midweek one this is a bit of a bonus one so yeah let's crack on so coming up in this episode we'll discuss last night's uh, chaotic trip to the king power and our experience from that electric away end that ridiculous bertrand Chore perla in the dying minutes watkins banging form still isn't he six in a row away from home now we'll talk about that the drama in added time as well with that leicester penalty incident let's crack on what a night I asked you about this on the coach down Simon and um, Brendan Rodgers was sacked on Sunday night I believe it was a little bit long overdue but we were talking about on the way back after that Leicester defeat for them What's the point? I, d- I don't really know. At this stage of the season, a lot of teams are sort of panicking. Steve Cooper as well at Forest, he could potentially go after signing a, a contract earlier on in this season, to be fair. I think it was just before we played them at their place as well. I, I think it's a bit panicky. I don't know. You were saying that you think Leicester stood more of a chance of staying up if they'd kept Rodgers. Yeah, and I, and I think that just comes from that. I think Brendan Rodgers is, is a decent manager there and he's, and he's proved that. And he did, he did a really good job for Leicester. Okay, this season hasn't been great for them but I think there's been reasons for it there as well they've had you know they've had next to like no investment over the last like 12 months or so due to financial constraints I think it was FFP wasn't it like that was the problem last summer and so I think he's had a bit of a I think he had a tough job if I'm being honest with you and obviously Vardy's sort of you know age now and uh, a lot of the players aren't the same as what they Schmeichel used to be, as well so. losing Schmeichel yeah they lost Schmeichel they haven't had a proper number one they've been flitting between Danny Ward and the lad that played last night Everson and so I think he had a tough job. And then I just think, if you're going to sack him, don't wait until April to do it. Um, And that's what they've done. And I I feel like they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit. I know they weren't playing well under Rodgers as well, but if you're going to ask me who would have preferred to sort of, you know, dig us out of the trenches, would you rather Brendan Rodgers or would you rather uh, like a caretaker manager who's never managed before? Then I'd still always want 
Brendan Rodgers every time. I think I don't think it got that bad to get rid of him in April. If I'm being honest, and I think they've I think they've have shot themselves in the foot. If I'm being honest, yeah. Look, it, it, it's not great at Leicester. I think they hadn't sacked him previously because of that sort of compensation that he'd had to be paid, and you know they're struggling like he talks about financially. But I just think if you're going to sack a manager, there's got to be a point to it. As we've recorded this news, I don't know if you've heard this side. Chelsea look like they're going to get Frank Lampard in for the rest of the season. For me, what what is the point in that? Potter has an impossible task anyway. Chelsea signing a ridiculous number of players in January. Why would you sack Potter and go back to Lampard? I, I, I generally don't get the point in that. And that's only till the end of the season anyway, while they're reassessing the summer. Why don't you just give Potter till the end of the season and, sit and go again in the summer? If it's been, go to the end of the season now and it's just as bad. Sack him then, that's fine. I just don't get the point in, in teams sacking managers just for the sake of it. And then thinking, oh, what do we do now? Chelsea, Forest, Tottenham are doing it as well to an extent. I, I just don't understand it. I just, I think the Potter one. I just think why would you appoint? Why would you spend so much money on appointing a manager with the so-called long-term project who you believe in, and then you sack him within the same season? It's not even like they let him see out the season and then let him mm. build in, on, on a, in his own pre-season and then and then reassess it like next season. You know, in October, November time, sort of like we did with Gerard. I yeah. mean, sacking him in the same season you appointed him is is a madness, and then. The thing is, what are Chelsea going to achieve by appointing Lampard for a few months now? What's what's the point in that? I mean, why not just keep the bloke using caretaker charging until the end of the season? What's the point? They're not going to finish any higher than mid-table now, Chelsea. Yeah. So, what is the point? I don't understand what, what's the point in doing it. Strange thinking, though. These clubs like to pretend that they're long-term sort of visionaries in terms of, um, you know, thinking, oh, we want to manage with a project, we've got a real long-term plan. And, you know what? A lot of these clubs don't. A lot of these clubs don't, and they just do it on a day-to-day basis and just wield the axe when when they want. Forrest is another one. It makes me laugh because Forrest came out with a statement today saying that how Steve Cooper's going nowhere and but results must improve. And and I keep thinking, why is all this speculation constantly going around about Steve yeah. Cooper? Like it happened like earlier on in the season that he signed the new deal, and now it's happened again. It's like the second time this season that it's happened. It's like. Just leave, if, you, if you're not going to sack him, just leave him alone in, in, in the job he's in. And, and this media circus that goes around it, it gets fed from somewhere. Someone at the club is telling the media, oh, he's in trouble here with the owners, he's in trouble. You can tell he's in trouble, really. But the owners are, the owners obviously are, are a bit wary about the reaction coming from the supporters and are wary about the time of the year. I just, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. Well, they picked up Cooper when they were fighting relegation in the Championship. He got them promoted against the run of play and they're now out of the relegation zone. Yeah, they, they are dipping and they are one of the worst teams in the league. But I, I just don't get it. And I don't want to turn this into a Chelsea, Leicester, Forest podcast. But you just got to talk about these things in football because it just makes you realise as well how well run we are as well. Um, we've got this manager in and he is a long-term process and that's not sort of, uh, you know, just words and we're going to do what these other clubs are doing. Not at all. We were talking about it, weren't we, the other day, like with this new Christian Perslow song. Um, some people saying, oh, like, oh, don't sing his name. Don't. People are really against Christian Perslow. And he's not perfect and I'm not trying to be his mate or anything. But we were sort of saying each- to each other, why? I don't understand it. Like, look at what we've done as a club with the with the new stand coming in and, you know, we're in the championship. Yes, the Gerard thing was wrong. Yes, okay. But apart from that, I don't understand it. And it just puts into perspective, at the moment, how well run Villa are. On the Perslow thing, I just, I, I think the whole thing's stupid. He's the chief executive of, of the football club and he's got a share in, in Aston Villa. And 
we got the he or we got the Gerard decision wrong, as clubs do. Clubs get manager managerial appointments wrong. Look at Chelsea with Graham Potter as a prime example. Clubs do get managerial appointments wrong. Are you telling me that? Obviously, Sawiris led it, but shouldn't he as the chairman? He's the chairman of the football club. Are you telling me that chief executive officer, the day-to-day runner wasn't of the club sits with him, wasn't involved whatsoever <laughs> with the appointment of a new manager? And like, and then he, and then people would say, oh, but it was mainly Sawiris. But then if Sawiris was really that you know, angry or not happy with the uh, work that Christian Perslow was doing, mm. then he wouldn't still be in, in the chief executive role at the Villa. But, uh, the, some of the reaction to the uh, Christian... I mean, for, for, to the Christian Perslow song has been mad. I mean, for number one, it's just... It's a bit of a laugh. It's just a song on the terraces. And number two, people are very, like, blinded to it, like, saying, oh, don't sing the song. I saw... A, there was a comment on one of my tweets going, oh, uh, don't sing a song about that crook. And I think... He's not a crook, is he? Like, I don't think he'd be the. I don't still think he'd be the chief executive of Aston Villa if if, if Sawiris was that unhappy with him. But what was it? What's he going to be doing? Just going along with it and still earning his two million quid a year if Sawiris still hated him. I mean, it doesn't make sense, does it? It's easy to say, like, you know, we're a well-run club because Emery's doing so well, so we haven't got that decision to make. But I can guarantee you, even if Emery hadn't performed as well, and even if we were at a position we were in like last season with Gerrard, they wouldn't be sacking him now. You know, he'd get a full summer, just like Gerard did, and then we'd be going again next season and we'd review it then. Any manager that comes in with a long-term project, they need they need at least a year in the job before you before you start thinking about getting rid of them. And so, yeah, it just baffles me. The whole Potter thing baffled me. And then, um, and yeah, just the constant Steve Cooper's under pressure at Forest thing baffles me. I, I, I just, I don't understand it. No, it's an absolute circus. But uh, should we move away from that then? It started a bit, started a bit morbid, the start of this podcast, didn't it? I don't know. Let's actually talk about the game then. Let's get up a bit. Let's get a little bit more excited and talk about the good stuff. Um, Leicester's team didn't really worry me too much. I think looking at it, Madison's only the real threat. I think defensively they're weak. They've conceded 51 goals this season, which is uh, even more than Southampton. They're 19th in the league. I didn't realise they were, they were going so horrifically as well they are banging trouble um Barnes and Vardy always have a good record against the Villa but apart from that didn't really concern me too much especially in defense I don't think they're a dreadful side I think they've got some players in there who can cause you problems obviously Harvey Barnes being one who always plays well against us and Madison and Vardy's still got it in him to score goals he's not the player he used to be but he's still got it in him and then they've got like Ian Atcher on the bench don't get me wrong they've got some decent players and I think they showed that when they and they beat us at Villa Park only a couple of months mm. ago. But I wasn't particularly worried. I thought, obviously, with the form we were in and uh, with the form Leicester were in and changing the manager, I, I still felt fairly confident we'd go there and, and, and pick up a result, to be honest. We were a little bit worried about Villa being a bit leggy, especially at right back with Ashley Young as well. I think some people have said so far about, about the Leicester game that he looks a little bit leggy, but I thought he was decent. I think Harvey Barnes is, is vastly underrated as well. I think he was going to give anyone a tough game. Uh, Bailey came in for Kamara then. Apart from that, pretty much, I say every week, as he were. Um, Bailey coming in, of course, didn't have a great game at all, did he? I think I, d- I don't like talking and, and picking people out after, after we've won. But again, though, he's got to pull his finger out. It was a big opportunity last night for Bailey after obviously not starting against Chelsea. He didn't turn up, did he? He always, for me, he always looks like he, he's always better when he comes off the bench. He always adds that little bit of pace or impetus when he could. Like, he looked all right when he came on on Saturday at Chelsea. He starts last night and he's just really like, ineffective. He sees a lot of the ball, doesn't he? But mm. he's very, he's just, he feels like he's really ineffective. Like, he doesn't. Like look like he's very fast, and then every time he he gets the ball, he, he shifts it back onto his left, and it's always a little bit predictable. And then his crossing's not great, and 
it just felt like he was going for the motions a little bit last night and absolutely nothing came off for him, did it? It's the basics though, isn't it, with Bailey? It's like, like you said, he's extremely predictable and it's it's as simple as, okay, you've not had a good night, but can you put a good ball in the box? And he can't do that. Okay, we get a corner. Can you put a good corner in? It's the first man. It's like, come yeah. on, son. You might not be able to get yourself in yeah. the game. That's fine. Everyone has an off day, but these basics, got to be doing better. Like I said, don't like talking about players who, you know, haven't had a great game when we've won. But again, though, he's got to start pulling his finger out. In, in in terms of our away day then, it took ages to get there, didn't oh, it? Yeah. We are in the pub in Hinkley, which is about half an hour from, from Leicester, about 6.45 an hour till kickoff. And if anyone's ever been to Leicester on the coach or even driven, it's an absolute ball ache to get to. We got there, I think we got off the coach just outside the ground five minutes before kickoff, ten minutes before kickoff. Again, major uh, queues outside the ground, it took ages to get in. I think I was having a, a wee in the toilet as the Premier League anthem was on. Um, so yeah, it took ages to get there, wasn't it? It was, it was a horrible ground to get to, Leicester. Yeah, it's really, it is really difficult to get to and uh, difficult to get out. I've good, the good thing is, if you're on a coach, you get a police escort on the way on the way out. But yeah, to get there, we arrived so late, the roads were all closed, and so the coach had to just sort of plunk itself in like a random road. And we had to like walk the rest of the way. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't. I'm not one to be arriving like late to a game. And so we were proper stressing, weren't we? We were like, oh, we're not used to this. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me feel all stressed before the game's even begun. I like to yeah. I like to take a good like 20, 25 minutes to sort of like accustom myself in my seat before the yeah. before the game starts. And so yeah, I wasn't used to that really. But uh, yeah, I feel like it's always like that Leicester though. And it's a night game. It happened when we were. I'm sure it happened in the league cup. The league cup when we mm. went there, we, we weren't as late as that, but we didn't get there in like as much time as we usually do. So yeah, it wasn't a great start. No, no, not at all. If anyone's not been to the Leicester Stadium, it's 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 okay. Bang average. It's one of these bowls. It's like Southampton. Um, but blue essentially it's really nothing special in terms of the game then I don't think Leicester started well they started half decent didn't they I think I don't know what I was expecting but I think they looked okay um, they won a corner from a free kick I think Watkins goes down injured he goes off and then they, it's probably their best chance of the night to be fair Harry Suter has a header which I think actually clips the post we were talking about this in the game though Watkins got injured before that corner and he wasn't allowed back on when the ball was dead anyway, to come and defend that corner. I think Sousa was Watkins' man as well. So if that had gone in, that would have been a big talking point. I, I don't get that rule at all, where a player has to go off because he's injured, but the ball's dead at the same time. I don't understand that. Yeah, strange, isn't it? You, you penalise for a player being injured which or having treatment, which... Uh, I don't know. I don't really understand that at all. I mean, why can't he have just come back on? And you, you're right. Whether he was Watkins' man or not, I don't know. But it was just the fact that we were a man down, and yet they had a, a man free in the box. We were a free header, so fortunately, it didn't punish us. Um, Suiters, he should have done better. Really, he should have scored, shouldn't he? He clipped the post and went wide. Fortunately, but uh, yeah, Leicester, Leicester started okay, I suppose. I, I still think Villa had a lot of the ball early on. I think it was a theme mm. running through the game, really. But yeah, Leicester obviously had that opening, opening chance of the game with Suter and yeah it's a bit of a let off for Villa really that one was I don't think Villa really got in their groove probably all night to be totally honest with you I don't think we looked after the ball very well at all I think really basic passes were going out of play but luckily we did go 1-0 I think Moreno had a chance just before we went 1-0 up but we go 1-0 up and you nearly missed it didn't you you went to the toilet and you yes. weren't with us when Watkins scored I think what were you doing were you walking down the stairs and just about saw the goal I was literally at the top of the stairs as you go down towards the toilets and like <laughs> that's when Villa were breaking so I just sort of stood there next to the stewards and then I saw and I thought, then I thought Buendia had handballed it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sure this is going to be whatever happens here. This is going to be like called for a handball." Uh, yeah, I saw Watkins roll it in, and then I didn't even think about an offside at that point. So as soon as Watkins rolled it in, I just went downstairs, um, and then as I was in the toilet, that's like a really loud speaker in the toilet. It was weird. As I was in the <laughs> toilet, 
It was like I was in the referee's change room. It was really weird. As I was in the toilet, like I could hear the PA announcer like shout that there was a VAR check going on. I was like, I was like oh God, this is really weird. This is. And by the time I'd left the toilet, the VAR check was over and Villa had scored. So I did see it, but it was it was a little bit of a strange one because I didn't really get to celebrate. I was uh, standing on the stairs, but that's my problem for going to the toilet in the twenty fourth minute, whatever it was, or maybe it was a little bit later than that. But yeah, it was around about that, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was, it was a decent goal as well, wasn't it? Watkins again, like I said at the top of the show, six in six away games now, six in a row absolutely outrageous like you said though I thought it was handball and I also thought it was offside I don't think any of the Leicester players are really appealing for either to be totally honest with you haven't seen that Buendia handball in inverted commas close up or on a replay or anything might hit him on the top of the arm and depends what the handball is this week because it changes every week um, but again it's a great finish and he's absolutely he's getting hounded isn't he by those two massive centre-backs Watkins but he gets there just in the nick of time it's a great finish looks like it takes ages to uh, go in didn't even know it went in any way and but what a goal again Watkins good football as well the, the build up uh, from Louise into Buendia was really good and then a great a great ball from Buendia and uh, yeah Watkins um, he just about beat the offside trap it was quite close actually when you when you look at it again it was very very close but just about beat the offside trap and then um, I thought he took um, like one touch too many in the end and it looked like he just about lost it but then he still managed to toe poke it and it just sort of like rolled into the net it was still a good it was a good finish still to be fair with the yeah. with the two defenders on his back and the keeper running out so yeah just a man on fire isn't he really and you just feel like you give him a chance and he's going to score it at the moment it was one of them starts wasn't it it was a bit it was a bit um bit bit even even wasn't it i suppose we're having a lot of the ball but not doing a lot with it but yeah and that was the one time we sort of opened them up and the one time their defense was exposed and we went one to look um so yeah it was a it was a good start and a and a good finish by Watkins again. Wendy's first assist of the season. How mental is that? For someone yeah. who's played, who's meant to be that creative sort of player to get goals and assists. First assist of the season. Mental stat that is, isn't it? I can't believe that. It doesn't feel right. It feels like someone's missed like an assist somewhere. <laughs> or one of these statos in the stand. I feel like someone's missed something like that. It feels really weird that he's only got his first assist in April. That feels absolutely bizarre. But yeah, long overdue. Yeah, weird one. Leicester got into it about, what, 10 minutes later? And it's a good goal, to be fair. Harvey Barnes, I'm a big fan already talks about it really really good first touch and it's sort of like a trademark Harvey Barnes goal isn't it the first touch is incredible and we said which I haven't seen anyone else mention to be fair that Ashley Young should have fouled him I think someone like Ashley Young as well you'd expect him to be like oh you know have the have the dark arts and, and foul him just outside the box because it's that's not where you want Harvey Barnes at all but he goes in really good finish as well actually I think it comes off the post good goal fair play to him yeah I think Young's positioning wasn't brilliant Slough with him obviously that long ball comes over he should, probably should have been a little bit tighter than he was and he wasn't and Barnes had to take that very good touch which gave him like an extra yard ahead of Young and then he just sort of burned him for pace didn't he and uh, it was a bit of an easy finish in the end but um, yeah I thought Young just should have fouled him he got close to him at one point and yeah he had mm-hmm. to have taken a yellow card but yeah, he probably should have fouled him. And it was a bit of a soft goal, really, from Villa's point of view, because it was just a, a one sort of... Put, well, it wasn't a punt. I mean, they, he aimed it for Barnes, but it was just like a long ball down the field and one ball, and it led to a goal, really. But, yeah, it was a good finish and uh, a great touch from Barnes. And like I say, he lo- he loves scoring against Villa, doesn't he? He loves playing he well against Villa. Yeah, probably a little bit disappointing from Ashley Young's point of view. I think he said on social media after the game, I think he was thanking 
Traore for getting him out of a hole, um, to be <laughs> honest with you. So, so yeah, he'd, he'd be thankful for that. But Ash, Ashley Young got better throughout the game, though, in the end. I think Harvey Barnes didn't get too much out of him after that. But, yeah, a little bit disappointing for the goal, but it happens. Harvey Barnes is a good player, so, it, you know, it, it does happen from time to time. It's the first goal from open play Villa have conceded in uh, five and a half games. Absolutely unbelievable. It says a lot, doesn't it, when you're actually really frustrated that we conceded. Like, you really, really want that clean sheet and it's annoying. But I think on that goal especially, credit's got to go Harvey Barnes. After instead of like bashing, bashing Ashley, yeah. which I've seen a few people do, especially. But again, though, we've already said, it, I think it's pretty even first half, wasn't it? It was a decent watch, actually. Mm. I think it's quite slightly different in the second half where Villa dominated the ball. I think overall we had 64% of the ball in the whole game. Leicester had a couple of chances in the second half, but nothing serious. Um, Jewsby Hall gets sent off, and that's where the game changes, isn't it? Where Villa have vast. I'd love to see the stats how much of the ball Villa had after that red card. I'd say like 80%. It was relentless, wasn't it? Absolutely relentless after Leicester went down to 10. Yeah, it was. It was relentless. I mean, the whole night we had a lot of the ball. I think I said to you, didn't I? Leicester set up quite uh, quite deep, really. All, a lot of their players were were very, very deep. And I think Villa, mm. it's probably why we didn't have a lot of chances because I think Villa struggled to, to break them down, if I'm being honest. Um, and I said to you at half-time, I thought that Leicester would have to come out in the second half if they wanted to try and win the game, which might leave a few gaps. And that never quite really happened because I don't think Leicester actually did bring the game towards us in the second half. Even I think they would have been happy with a point, if I'm yeah. being honest. I think that would have uh, stopped the rut a little bit for them and got their caretaker manager off to a, a decent sort of start. Um, but yeah, the red card changed it. Again, credit to Ashley Young for this, though. I think obviously he... He he wasn't great in the first half for that goal, but then it was it was him it was him both times, wasn't it, for for the fouls from Jewsbury Hall for the two yellow cards. I think he's clever for the second one as well, by the way. I think he leaves it a little bit late, doesn't he? He knows what he's doing. Fair play to him. Yeah, he was. Um he managed to get us that man advantage really. And then yeah, and I think that was the moment then. It was like can Villa can Villa turn this into a victory now? Then we've got the man advantage and something we've not really taken advantage of over the years. Um just right. thinking of like even the Leeds game earlier on this season under Gerard when they went down to 10 men and we, we still couldn't find a way through the whole game. It kind of felt a little bit like that. We still struggled to break them down. Obviously, we had a we had a couple of chances with like Ramsey and uh, Watkins had a shot and Moreno had that one, which he... Half chances, weren't they, really? They weren't clear opportunities, no. no. And then, obviously, we had like Bailey shot wide from that corner and Ashley Young shot over from that corner. And there were sort of half chances, which we maybe should have tested the goalkeeper a little bit more on, but... Yeah, there weren't clear-cut chances. You know, pleasingly, we did manage to make that breakthrough. Obviously, it came through an absolute uh, screamer of a goal. I did not. Uh, Duran comes on with about 10 to go for Ramsey, who I thought had a, a quiet night. I don't think he was bad. I just think I just think it was one of them where decision-making was slightly off and movement was slightly off, and it just didn't quite click for him. Um, five minutes to go. That man, Bertrand Traore, comes on for Bailey. who had a disappointing night as well. What, what? Why is he shooting? Why, why is he shooting? <laughs> Absolutely outrageous. And we, we said it, nobody else would have scored that goal apart from Bertrand Traore. The bloke is an absolute nutter and I love him. What a goal. There, there's your answer. He was shooting because he's Bertrand Traore. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody else would, would have done that in that situation. I mean, I just saw him shape it up to shoot and I was like, no, what are you doing? And I was like, literally like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because it was a good chance as well, wasn't it? Like, indeed, it was a misplaced pass. It was a really good chance to drive and he's shooting and you, I'm going yeah. to out you here. You said, what did you say? You were like, what's he doing or what's he shooting really angrily? And then yeah, yeah, we all know was, what happened next, but you weren't happy, were you? No, I was no because I could just vision, I could just picture it, like get, moving into like <laughs> row Z of the, of the, yeah, that's what I could picture. And I was just, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was taking time, just taking time, but obviously, uh, 
maverick players like that don't listen to <laughs> sort of very you know sort of safe fans like me sort of thing and uh so yeah thank god he did take the shot but yeah it was it was a i've never i don't know i've never seen a player take that sort of confidence so i just shoot first time his first touch of the game since coming on as a sub and yeah and it was a, it was a great finish absolutely brilliant finish um so fair play to try maybe every team needs that sort of maverick player which try clearly is but yeah what a strike and uh it was well worthy of, of of winning the game in the end, wasn't it? He always looks, Bertrand Shiore, like he, he can't be asked to play. And that's not in a bad way. That's just his style. He, he just looks like he can't really be asked. He's like, oh, I can't be asked to drive here. I'll just shoot. And what makes it 10 times better as well, he kind of, he, he's running away from goal. It's not like he, he runs onto it, like towards goal. He's sort of coming back on himself. And it's sort of like an awkward angle, isn't it? And it loops over. It's an outrageous finish. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know when it was, not, not too long ago, I was thinking... Villa don't really score worldies, do they? they? They score good goals, like good team goals from like inside the box and stuff. But it's quite rare that we score absolute screamers. And in the last five days, we've seen a couple, especially from, from McGinn on, on Saturday against Chelsea in this Troyore one. We're being treated at the moment in terms of how good our goals are. Incredible. Yeah, you're right. It was so, you sort of looked at him. You thought he might be like off balance. So for him to get that sort of power and precision as well because from that distance it's very easy to like get so much power in it that it sails over the crossbar mm. uh, so to get that power and the accuracy while he looked a little bit off balance as well was incredible but um yeah yeah I know what you mean he does look he doesn't you know he doesn't defend that well does he when he's usually on the pitch for that long and um but you know what sometimes you do need players who are slightly different and uh yeah, I'm fair play to him though you know he got shipped out by Gerard because clearly Gerard didn't fancy wingers and he Got that low move out to, out to Turkey, which he probably didn't want. I mean, yeah. you know, you wouldn't want to be moving from a Premier League club to a club in Turkey, would you? And um, and he went there, and then obviously, you know, he's he's he's, he's reaped the reward sort of thing of Unai Emery coming in and having a little bit of a different outlook to it. And you know, the summer, uh, sorry, the, sorry, in January when we were looking for players, obviously we were struggling to bring players in who were genuinely going to improve us, and so that's why Emery decided, well, we'd better have him right back with us than. Than not, and so you know, even if it is that goal, and if, even if it, that is the contribution at the end of the season, well, he's contributed more than what if if we hadn't got him, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So, so yeah, no fair play to Troy Ray. I was really, really happy for him, and just like Emery was saying in the post match, like he's a really likable character, isn't he? Um, and I think we like that as Villa fans. Like, we feel like we can get frustrated because he's not like a world beater, and he can frustrate us at times. But this week about him, he's quite likable, isn't he? Mm. He always like makes me like. He's always got like a strange way of like shooting. I always find like <laughs> I think I said that. What game was that when he like tried to like do that really like soft shot against again? Bournemouth? Yeah, against Bournemouth, where he just rolled it across the face of goal. We're like, what are you doing there, son? Like, but that was like the goal he scored at West Brom, which was an, yeah. again an absolute ludicrous goal a couple of years ago. <laughs> so he's got that in his locker, hasn't he? But I quite I don't know. I quite like that little maverick side of him. To be honest with you, I, yeah. I do quite like it. He's a bit weird, isn't he? And I love yeah. that though. Like you said, we like players like that and you could see how much it meant to him as well and obviously after being shipped out to Turkey not treated the best by Gerard, fair play to him you could see how much it meant you could see how much the teammates like how much they encouraged him as well and like Martinez got him on his shoulders at the end what's that about that's incredible and I've seen Leicester fans like taking the mix saying oh it's Leicester away you haven't won the league and stuff but it's more than that though it's about Troy Ray. it's not about us beating Leicester away it is of course but more it's about him the player the person as well how much is that going to do for him that's incredible mm. that's just going to give him that boost isn't it and you'd, you'd probably play him on Saturday now I would why not he's got that confidence give him a go why not it's going to take him to a new level hopefully I think you'll get more minutes on the weekend I don't know if he'll start the game but I think he'll I think he'll be in Emery's forefront of his mind to use him, use him more if I'm being honest I don't know if he'll start but I think the nicest 
I think the nicest uh, video for me that I saw was, um, I think it was just before like Martinez got him on his shoulders and stuff. Um, it was one of the last ones over Troy already to the away fans. There's a video going around where uh, John McGinnis captain sort of uh, like pick, like drags drags him towards the away fans, and then he just like pushes him towards the away fans, <laughs> like for him to get like the adulation from the supporters. Yeah. And then John McGinn just stood back applauding it. I thought that was really nice for for like you know nice thing for the captain to do that was. Um, and I applaud John McGinn for doing that. And he didn't get in the forefront of it, John McGinn. He didn't get in there like you know going mad celebrating himself. He just let Troy Ore take that take that sort of adulation from the fans, and so did the rest of the players. And it was a really really nice moment actually. And I think it showed like the spirit and the togetherness of 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 the whole club at the moment really right from you know board down to down to staff coaches players and into the supporters i think there's a bomb there at the moment and um yeah it's just nice to see and obviously if you've got a together club and we've got quite a small squad which helps as well you know mm. it does help having that sort of small squad it helps you bomb better doesn't it and it just feels like there's a connection there again between the supporters and the players and everyone else at the moment and uh yeah i just thought that sort of um epitomized it last night yeah that moment at the end where they're all bouncing sort of it, you're right it just epitomizes the club at the moment and it's, it was brilliant to see and again i said it with for the mcginn goal against chelsea that was one of the moments of the season that true goal was one of the moments of the season honestly absolutely incredible and i think as a fan when you're celebrating in the away end there's sort of two two versions of how you celebrate there's one way you just celebrate because you're happy we've scored and there's another one where it's just absolute pure disbelief and can you that's exactly what it was though when Troy Ray scored it was 3,000 people in sheer disbelief going mental that away away crowd yesterday absolutely insane the noise from all day to be fair I thought it was really good but after that goal and that the final whistle incredible scenes yeah it was great and um I said on the podcast the other day I think the Villa away support is just second to none it's it's just really good isn't it and um yeah, the the whole away end was bouncing all night, and uh, I think the funny thing with Troy Ore's goal was because there was no build up to it. It wasn't like we were having like a run, and then he had like yeah. a outrageous shot just because it literally just got kicked to him. It was just first touch goal, and it, yeah, that's I think that was what was so funny about it, it was the element of surprise, yeah. wasn't it, for everybody? Um, but yeah, there was some some movement in that away end again, and uh, yeah, it's just so nice to be part of. But yeah, massive massive credit to the Villa away contingent again because they were so vocal all the way through the game. Um, and yeah, really made it a loud one. I only just about started recording. Like, <laughs> I don't miss yeah. goals very often, but that one took me by surprise, obviously. We haven't even talked about the VAR drama at the end as well. I think mm. you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, is it too good to be true here? Oh, Leicester get a penalty shock. And it sort of felt like that Man United away game where we scored late, Courtney Hawes, and then they get a penalty. And it's like, oh, okay, this, this is the villa that we know and love. But from the stands, couldn't see a thing, could you? I don't know if you saw anything, but you were saying, oh, this won't get overturned, this won't get overturned. From that away end, we couldn't see a thing. Leicester fans were going crazy, celebrating, winding us up. Wasn't a penalty at all, was it? Goes over to the monitor, checks it a few times. It's not a penalty, though, is it? By any stretch, bizarre decision. Well, I think I think the reason why I was saying it won't get overturned was just purely for the fact that they don't usually get overturned, do they? But mm. I've got to say, and I know it's going to sound like, you know, I dig out referees quite reg- on a regular basis on this podcast, but... What Graham Scott was thinking to give that penalty was an absolute joke. I don't know what I don't know what he possibly could have seen, to be honest with you, to give that penalty. And it it annoys me a little bit because you think if VAR wasn't there, that would have it would have just stood that penalty. And it was I mean it was it wasn't even close to being a penalty. It was a foul the other way, if anything. Yeah. And was, yeah, yeah, I don't get why he didn't. I just don't get why he gave it. For me, it was I said to you after the game, like, why didn't you just carry on and then let VAR have a look at it then? But why did he? Why did he give it? Like he couldn't. He couldn't have thought in his head. Oh, that's penalty. He couldn't have thought that. 
So what's he going off? He's going off the reactions of the crowd or something. That's or? exactly what he's done. A hundred percent. Multiple Leicester players had their arms in the air because they were desperate. Of course, that's what they're going to do. It's what every team does. Running at the ref, throwing their arms around. The crowd are going crazy, and it's just—it's so weak from the referee. It's so so weak. And you're right though. Why would you give it when you quite clearly haven't seen anything? Yeah. That's worrying. Well, that is from a referee's perspective. Why are you doing it when you clearly haven't seen anything? Well, that's what I mean. He, he, there's not like he was. It's not like it was like a tackle. And like like he's actually touched him, but he's got the ball, and he hasn't seen that he's got the ball. Like it was literally, yeah. it was it was it wasn't even that. It was like what's he seen to give that penalty? And like that's what concerns me. It's like we talk about how you know we talk about the positive sides of VAR, and that is a positive side. Yeah. But then it also brings another negative to me though that we got referees giving penalties for things which they clearly haven't even seen. Um, worrying. It's worrying, that is, it? it's really worrying. Genuinely, really worrying. But no one will talk about it because obviously VAR corrected it, and rightly so. But that is really worrying because, if, like I say, if that was in the championship, well, there is no VAR, and so it would have just been a penalty. Mm. And you just think, like, what are we doing? What? What? I just can't understand what went through um, the referee's head to give that. I genuinely can't can't get my head around it. I think it's a clear foul the other way. Watkins gets absolutely barged in the back. I think it's Patson Dacker that's so desperate to get to the ball. He barges straight through the back of Watkins. He's not even facing him. Watkins is facing sort of out and Dacker comes like sneaking up right behind him and barges him in the back. So it's it's quite clearly a foul the other way, which is what gets given in the end. But you're right though, it's worrying. If that gets given in the championship, it might be the, the difference between a team going up or a team getting in the playoffs yeah. or whatever it is. And you, you think to yourself, oh, that, that referee should get relegated now to the championship. But it's, it's just worrying from top to bottom. I mean, in the English leagues, isn't it that you've got these weak? And he's at the top, though he's a Premier mm. League official. It's it's so worrying and it's really really strange decision. But uh, it made for a, a funny away end after. I think my new yeah. favourite song that Villa seemed to sing and they've sang at Chelsea, sang here now. Um, you've seen the Villa now do one essentially. Absolutely yeah. love it. Incredible scenes. I've never seen a stadium empty so fast. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know what, the longer it went on, the longer the VAR was checking it, then you started to feel, you know. okay, maybe this one will get ruled out now because it's taking absolutely ages. Um, but yeah, that was quite a funny moment. All the Villa fans uh, all joined in unison singing that one. And uh, yeah, the Leicester fans just sort of piled at the stadium at that point. So yeah, it was a nice end, nice end to the game, wasn't it? And then obviously the the referee blew his final whistle only, what, about a minute after, after the whole yeah. VAR. Uh, controversy so yeah fortunately I was going to say we got away with one we didn't get away with one it wasn't it was. It should have been a foul the other way so we didn't get away with one at all but it just felt like we had got away with one at the time I suppose we're seventh mate we are seventh yep. in the Premier League. I've never never seen us as high as that in my life. Seventh in the Premier League. And I know we're recording this before uh, Manchester United play Brentford. It could all change. Obviously, teams have games in hand. Liverpool have got a game in hand. Brentford have. Uh, Fulham, Brighton have got two games in hand. So, look, it could all change. But just bask in the glory. Why not? Why not just enjoy it? It feels like there's an incredible, incredible buzz around Villa at the moment. And obviously, the, the best buzz that we've had sort of since we've been promoted, 100%. It's, it's amazing to be a Villa fan at the moment isn't it it is and that's what I'd say just enjoy the ride because I think as Villa fans we know that it doesn't come around very often does it you know we've had mm. so many bad times and so when you're when you're in a spell of, of a you know a, a good spell like we're in absolutely basking it basking the glory of it because um because it you know it doesn't like I say it doesn't happen very often hopefully it will happen more often now that we've got you know a talented manager and a board which are you know willing to invest and that hopefully the Hopefully the only way is up, sort of thing, really. But um, but yeah, look, let's take each game as it comes. I think I said after the Chelsea game, 
we've given ourselves a chance um, to, to sort of fight for European football this season there. But but it's going to be tough. It's still going to be tough. We've got some really hard games coming up. Um, you know, I think, what is it, seven or eight games out of what we've got left are against teams above us. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Um, but we don't fear it. I think we said it the other day, we don't fear anybody, do we? Um, and so I've got full confidence that we can do it. We can do it, but... It's important we just take one game as it comes. We don't want to look too far ahead. We don't want to look at, start looking at Liverpool or Man United games further ahead. We just need to concentrate on the next game. And that's what we need to do each week. We need to sort of treat. We need to sort of treat it like a tournament football and just look at it as like it's the next game and that's all that matters, sort of thing. And so Forest is our next game, and there's you know we don't need to think about anything else after that. And I kind of feel like that's probably how Emery's playing. It is. Uh, he's very experienced in obviously European football and winning four Europa leagues, and I feel like that's what it's like. I feel like we're at like, in Emery's mind, it's possibly like, okay, like now we're at like the latter stage of like a cup competition now um, and we just need to keep our focus and uh, and just keep grinding out these consistent performances and if we do, it will pay off and uh, I'm, I've no doubt it will. Obviously, we need to keep our players fit for the last few weeks of the season and we just need to take each game as it comes. We've got another on paper winnable game on Saturday. Hopefully, Villa Park's bouncing because I think the players deserve that now and I think Emery's given, given us that much to cheer about in the last few weeks. I think he deserves to have a bounce in Villa Park on Saturday. So let's hope the fans are really up for it and sort of, you know, can sort of roar us home to 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 another really important victory. I'm sure it will be rocking. And you said something that I quite liked on, on the coach home yesterday, that it sort of feels now how it felt in the championship after, after that uh, Rotherham and, and Sheffield Wednesday game. It kind of feels like yeah. we haven't achieved anything yet, but you can kind of feel like something's brewing, can't you? It feels good and it feels like something's going to happen now at Villa. It felt like, it, I feel like this week's felt like a defining moment for me. Um, I think going to Chelsea, it was an impressive victory at Chelsea. And then it was a very quick turnaround. And I think I was worried about it being a bit leggy last night. Um, and I, we probably were a little bit leggy at times. But I think for the fact we've still managed to churn out a victory um, while playing okay. We played okay last night. We didn't. We weren't brilliant, but we played okay. But we still managed to come out with a victory in, which, in a game which could have been a little bit of a banana skin and Villas of previous years wouldn't have wouldn't have got over the line. And so... Yeah, it, it sort of felt like, it did feel like a Sheffield Wednesday rather a moment for me this week. I'm not saying we're definitely going to go on to finish in Europe, um, but it, it felt like a little bit of a, a point where you, you you could look back on and think, okay, well, that was the point when you started to really believe that that we could do it. And that's what it kind of feels like in the fan base, doesn't it? I think since the Chelsea game, we've just all of a sudden, you know, we all of a sudden have this confidence that, you know, we can do it. We genuinely can do it. Um, and looking at the looking at the clubs around us, like the Liverpools of this world, who we still got to play, and obviously Man United who got away. I mean, they're not in great form anyway. These teams. I mean, Liverpool look really poor at the moment. And so for like these games that we have got in the future, you know, we shouldn't be going into it fearing it. Um, but yeah, like I say, Saturday's the next one, um, and we need to keep it going really. But um, yeah, full confidence to the players. I think the play again. I, I said it the other day, but players deserve a lot of credit for how they're playing at the moment. They're, you know, they're executing exactly what Unai Emery's asking them to do, which, uh, yeah, it's big credit to the players because they've really stepped up to the mark and uh, some really consistent performances flowing throughout the whole team at the moment. It's, yeah, it's great to watch. It is. It is great to watch. And three out of the next four are at Villa Park as well. And the atmosphere has been criticised, rightly or wrongly, a lot this season. But I think now... It's going to be rocking, isn't it? And the closer we get towards the end of the season, if we can maintain this form, which is going to be difficult to do because we're flying, it's going to be rocking at Villa Park. And I'm I'm buzzing for Saturday now. Can't wait to get down there. And Forest, I don't want to say this, and it's, you know, it's 
it's probably going to bite me on the ass, but if you could pick a game, it's probably that one, isn't it? At home, their away record is terrible. I was reading some Forest fans' tweets after they they played Leeds the other night, and they're not happy at all. So if you could pick a game, probably be that one. Won't be easy, but you've got to look at that and think, yeah, it's another opportunity. Why not? After that, you've got Newcastle at home, going to be interesting. Then that Brentford one, which is probably going to be a massive, massive game away from home. But you're right, though. You don't fear everyone, and I think you've got to have the mindset of, We'll take every game as it comes. Try and win every game. Don't take too much attention. Don't pay too much attention to what's going on. And just see where you end up. Just see yeah, where exactly. you end up. Have, have a bit of fun. Why not? Just see where you end up. Like, nobody expected Europe this season at no. all. We're saying, yeah, top 10. Why not? Let's see what happens. We could be on for something special. Why not? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any pressure on us. I don't think there's any pressure on us, on, on us at all. Nobody, nobody expected us to finish in Europe this season. Um, and if he did manage to take us to Europe. I think Unai Emery would have to be up for manager of the season, if I'm being honest, because it would be a remarkable feat if he did it. So, you know, there's 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 not the pressure on us. We wanted to finish top 10. This is where we are at the moment. Um, and all we can do is just keep taking each game as it comes. And if we, uh, if we keep winning, who knows where we'll end up. And yeah, if we do get into them spaces, then happy days. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? And I think even if we don't get Europe, though, I don't think we should be <laughs> annoyed or disappointed no. or whatever, because it was it was never the aim. And if you're being realistic, you're, not, you're still not in the driving seat, are you? Brighton are having an incredible season. Absolutely flying they are. They've got two games in hand. Liverpool got a game in hand. You never know what Liverpool side can turn up. They've beaten Manchester United 7-0 this season, so you don't really know what to expect from them as well. So it's going to be interesting but it's nice to have something to play for isn't it and I said a few weeks ago like Villa are that only team in the table that don't really have anything to play for sat in 11th place but how quickly things can change mate how how quickly things can change Unai Emery's the guy he's the king and we are flying at the moment and I'm so happy bring on the next game eh? yeah and I just think it's key that we've got all like all the teams we've we've are around us we're playing pretty much all of them and I think yeah. that's what makes it key you know Brentford Brighton Liverpool, even Newcastle, not that far away. But so we've got these teams like we've got all these teams to play, um, and so I think that's what makes it. That's what makes it interesting, actually. I think while we say it's you know it's down to what we do, it is obviously down to what we do. But the difference is this time round, we're not just we're not just looking out for we're not just looking at the results from other teams and thinking oh we can't do much to affect it. We actually can this time because we're actually yeah. playing them, um, and so it's going to make it. An interesting end, and I just I wonder whether that last match against Brighton will have something riding on it. Feels like it's made to meant to be, doesn't it? We said this though, didn't we, in the pub yesterday? We were like, we fancy Villa. If we've got something to play for at Villa Park, I don't think you ever can count against Villa. Like I always feel like we can do it at at Villa Park. And can you imagine if I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves, which which we've encouraged ourselves not to do. But can you imagine? Can you actually imagine that would be insane? It would. It would. Yeah, I don't want to think about it too much, really. So I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be brought back down to earth, really, with, with a bump. But uh, yeah. yeah, it would be pretty special. But yeah, let's just see how we go. And I mean, we're really, really delighted with how things are going at the moment. So if we can keep it going, then happy days. We'll end up where we want to end up. We are loving life at the moment. Enjoy this feeling, everyone. Enjoy how it feels to be a Villa fan at the moment. Um, thank you very much for listening to this little bonus midweek episode. If you have enjoyed it, um, I was going to say leave a like on it, but I'm not on YouTube. See, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. I've got like rhythms that are going, but yeah. Please do subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. Go and subscribe to Villa on Tour on YouTube. Go and check out the last couple of videos. You don't want to miss them. And we'll see you on Saturday against Forest. Up the Villa. Up the Villa.